Hello, everybody. Oh, there's Slade. There we are. But welcome, everybody, to the Jack Wagon Sports Podcast. We are back once again this week. We have a great show for you. Uh, we're going to talk NFL, wrap up Conference Championship Week, give our early Super Bowl predictions. Uh, we're also going to talk a little golf, review our fantasy picks from last week, our new picks for the um, Pebble Beach Pro-Am. I couldn't think of the name of the tournament. And then lastly, we're going to go to NASCAR. Uh, they released some rule changes this week. We're going to talk Bushlight Clash. And then, as, as always, give you guys our top five for this week. Uh, so without further ado, let's go ahead. Let's jump right in this week. Uh, starting with the NFL, uh, it was announced today Tom Brady said he's retired. He's officially done. He will not be coming back. We'll have to wait and see on that, though. Uh, but just your guys' thoughts on the announcement coming today. Uh, Slay, we'll start with you. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't really see it coming. I mean, it seems like the guy that reported on him each and every year that was, like, really close with talks with him said that there was never any question that he was either going to stay with Tampa Bay and for another year, or he was retiring. There was a lot of talks that maybe the Raiders or um, uh, who was the other team, the, like the Dolphins or whoever the, or 49ers that he was going to go to one of these teams. Um, and basically this reporter had said that he had had multiple talks with Tom Brady over the season. And that, that was never an option. It was either going to be the, the bucks or, or retirement. Um, I mean, it's it's not really that big of a deal for him because he's still going to be covering football every Sunday. I mean, he signed before he came out of retirement last year. I think it's like $375 million deal with Fox to be a sports broadcaster for them. Um, who knows how long that's over? I'd assume at least six years. Um, at that point, I'd say that he's probably going to look at becoming an owner in some aspect. Um I think that football is going to be a part of his life forever. I mean, Erica and I were talking about it today and cause she's got a crush on Tom Brady and she had said that like uh, maybe him and Giselle get back together or whatever. And I was like, I don't think so. I think football is going to be a part of every Sunday for the rest of his life. Like if that was the reason that they were, they were getting a divorce, I think that that's going to stay that way. What about you, Nick? Yeah. Um. So uh, obviously uh, just want to take a quick second, love or hate him. Um, the the stats that the man has put out there, the Super Bowls he's won, you know, everything. I feel like every time I see a stat from Tom Brady, like, it's the most ridiculous shit you've ever heard. Like, it'll be like, Tom Brady has this many wins, which is 16 more than every other team in the NFL combined. And you're like, how? Um, but it's Tom Brady. Uh, so, you know, definitely hats off to a great career for him. Um, as far as, you know, everything else, uh, I was thinking about the whole Giselle thing earlier. Um, I did see a tweet. I, I don't know if this is official or not, but it's it said that it you know these words came out of his mouth that um, he kind of realized it, it, when he came out of retirement, he thought that he still had enough in him to play at a high enough level to win Super Bowls. And basically, he said, you know, I, I realized that you know my my time has has gone of that. Um, so again, I I don't know if that's official or not, but if so, I think that kind of. Um, you know, leads to a different path. I've made a lot of jokes about, you know, him choosing football over his family and then coming out and sucking this last year. I think that in all reality, as much as he I didn't want suck, to though, well, he said, well, he set his own record for completions, yeah. but I, when you think about offense, Tom Brady, yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you think about Tom Brady, like, first of all, he had to, I, I, I right. don't There's know. No running game. Game was. Yeah. yeah. Um, but nonetheless, like it, it, you know, eight wins is not a normal Tom Brady year. Um, but I think deep down in all reality, uh, he I, I think the divorce might have been talked about, you know, before maybe 
what, there was conversations while he was talking about, you know, unretiring and whatnot. Maybe that's part of the reason he decided to come back because he knew he was getting a divorce and figured, well, I'm not going to have my supermodel model wife. I might as well stick to the sport that I'm the best at, you know, came back, whatever, whatever the situation may be. Um, I hope that, you know, for Tom Brady's sake, it, you know, goes well for him after retirement. Like I said, he's got a, a more money than I'll probably ever see in my life contract for the next however many years to talk about football every weekend. Um, so it, it's not going to be terrible. Um, he still has, at least I think he still has his $20 million mansion. Like being Tom Brady is not going to be a bad thing, whether he lost the supermodel wife or not. Um, you know, so I wish all the best for him and the same success in whatever he does next that, you know, he found on the field. Yeah. Um, I, I saw the alert this morning and I'll be honest, I really didn't give a shit. Um, <laughs> he should have never came back this year. Like his, his whole season this year was just such like a tiny little footnote at the bottom of everything that happened in the NFL. Um, again, I, I have all the respect in the world for Tom Brady. You know, he had, he has had a great career, uh, but he should have never come out of retirement in the first place. Even if, you know, he was going to get divorced regardless, you know, I, I still just think he should have hung it up on the Fox. Um, but backing up, I I didn't see it coming per se. I, I knew I knew there was a lot of talk of him either going to another team, retiring, or staying with the MFA. I mean, those were his three options. Um, it kind of seemed like at his final press conference after the loss to Dallas in the, in the playoff game that he was going to be leaving Tampa Bay. And then that's when the, the rumor started, oh, he's going to Vegas. Oh, he's going here or there. Um, and then when it came out a few days ago that Sean Payton was going to the Broncos, I knew then it was kind of more realistic that he could just retire because the big controversy a couple years ago was it was going to be him and Sean Payton. They were going to go to Miami, and that's why Brian Flores was fired, and then all that stuff happened, so that deal fell through. Again, how true that was, we're not 100% sure yet, but I, I think once that deal with Sean Payton to go to the Broncos came through, Russell Wilson's contract was way too much. They couldn't trade him. You know, you can't cut him. He's going to way too much, and therefore you can't sign Tom Brady. Uh, and Tom Brady and Russell Wilson do not want to play together. Um, so once I saw that, I was like, eh, he's definitely not going to go there. I don't see another opening for him in the NFL. I think Miami's sticking with Tua. Uh, you know, San Francisco has a really good quarterback situation. Uh, I mean, you, you have two really good young QBs and Trey Lance and um, Brock Purdy. I already forgot his name. He's only been hurt a week. Um, but they, they have a great situation there. I don't see them needing to go out and get somebody like a Tom Brady. Um, and so, I mean, it, it kind of came more as a realization then that maybe this is it. And then sure enough, I think it was less than 24 hours after the, uh, Sean Payton signing. Correct. Tom Brady's retiring. So, um, I, I just wanted to say real quick, um, I, this kind of opened my eyes a little bit. So I, I think a lot of people, when you ask about Tom Brady and his personality, would probably use the word egotistical somewhere in there, um, which I'm going to be 100% honest. If you're going to play a sport at that high of a level, you have to be at some, at, you know, to some extent. Um, but I think this really shows there was a lot of talk about Brady playing until he was 45. Uh, you know, there's memes all over the place of him with gray hair and a gray beard. Um, but I, the fact that he seen this, and he said, again, that report I said earlier, don't know if it's true or not, but I have a feeling it is that because of him actually retiring. The fact that he could look at that and say, look, I can't do this at this level anymore, just goes to show that, you know, he might not have been, again, I'm sure he's egotistical to a point, but it just goes to show that he does understand, look, I'm immortal. I'm not going to do this forever. I, you know, I might be the GOAT in everybody else's eyes, but I'm also just a human being. So uh, to me, I don't know. I thought that was pretty cool. 
Um, let's go ahead. Let's move along. Speaking of Brock Purdy, uh, we had the championship conference championship weekend this past week. Uh, unfortunate result for them. Uh, of course, Purdy goes down on their first possession. Uh, he has a torn UCL. Um, basically, he needs Tommy John surgery uh, is what it equivalates to. Uh, Six-month recovery for him. He goes down. San Francisco doesn't have an offense. Uh, so the Eagles are your NFC champions. They will be moving on to the Super Bowl. Uh, and then we had the AFC Conference Championship game. A lot of controversy surrounding it, but at the end of the day, the Chiefs get the win. They will be moving on to the Super Bowl to face the Eagles. Um, so, Nick, we'll go you first. Uh, your thoughts on both of the games and then the Super Bowl matchup ahead. Yeah, so uh, first on the NFC side with the Eagles and 49ers, um, it, it's unfortunate the way it happened, but it's football uh, any given Sunday. I say it all the time. Um, you know, you got to do what you got to do. If you're on your third string, Mr. Irrelevant quarterback, and he's playing well and he happens to get injured, and next thing you know, you got Josh Johnson, uh, who I think everybody in the league is familiar with because he's been on just about every team. Um, you know, it, it, like I said, it is what it is. Uh, when you, It sucks that it, they got to that point and then it happened, but when you have a team like that where you're down to your third string quarterback, your chances of it happening are pretty good. Um, the one thing I will say that I didn't like about the game and it didn't happen on the field is Eagles fans. And look, I know it's Philly. I expect nothing less from them, but they were acting like they just beat the best of the best. They it, like, they were just absolutely on top of the world. I mean, they beat the giants with Daniel Jones and then for the third time this season and then turn around and beat half the 49er squad. Uh, Fred Warner was out for a little bit. I, I don't know the extent of it. I hadn't been watching that. I know Bo, Bosa went out for at least a couple plays. Um, and then obviously Brock Purdy going out. And I think that that game showed us that as much as we uh, – Kyle Shanahan, I don't want to take anything away from him. He's an absolute offensive genius. He knows what he's doing. He makes a playbook that benefits every single person on the team and their strengths. But that game showed us that you can't just plug any quarterback into that system and have it work. So to me, that tells us that Brock Purdy is at least somewhat of a serviceable quarterback in the NFL. Um, I understand he had Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, whatever. Um, but nonetheless, it showed us that there does need to be, to be some talent at the quarterback position in order for that team to, uh, you know, score points. Um, but Eagles fans, come on now. I know it was a blowout, but let's be honest here. Like, it wasn't. We'll, we'll see how you do this weekend, uh, or not this weekend, next weekend. And over on the AFC side, so I have Philly as the, as the quarterback winner before today, so, or the quarterback, the Super Bowl winner before today. So uh, I, I don't want to take anything away from them, but just let's let's pump the brakes a little bit. Uh, and over on the AFC side, controversy or whatnot, I, I felt like that was the Bengals game to lose. Um, at, you know, refing is refing. I've always said, if you played bad enough to where the refs di um, dictated the outcome of the game, you did not play good enough to win the game. So, you know, it is what it is. Yes, it sucks that there were some calls that, you know, were pretty shady and, you know, had a lot to do with the outcome of the game. It is what it is. Chiefs are in the Super Bowl. There's nothing we're going to do about it. They're still a good team to be representing the AFC. Um, so, you know, it, it's going to be a great matchup come Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, before we go to Slade, I just want to back. I'll defend Philly fans a little bit just because, one, this is how, like, we always knew they, they act. Like, it doesn't matter. We saw they just made the World Series. Uh, you know, I'm expecting, like, the aftermath of the game from them. But on the other hand, they did all they heard all week was Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy is so good. He's Mr. Rebellion. Nobody talked about the Eagles at all, all week. You know, everybody just talked about, oh, you have Christian McCaffrey and Brock Purdy is, you know, the second coming of Jesus. 
I, I do give them a little bit of a break and, and some credit because all they heard all week is just 49ers and how good they are and, and all this other stuff. So I, I give them a, a break on that hand. Um, the officiating the whole weekend was terrible. I mean, not a lot of people talk about it because it became a blowout. Uh, but it, it went both ways more so in that game. But the, the officiating was god-awful. Uh, it was horrible on both teams. Um, and then looking at the officiating, everybody keeps pointing and, and talking about the late hit just because it was such a pivotal play. It, it was a late hit. Like yeah. at, at the end of the day, it, he was going out of bounds. He had given himself up. There was no need to shove him. Um, yeah. and, and they 100% got that call right. Did they miss a lot of calls on the Chiefs? Yeah. Uh, I, I definitely think. In fact, two late hits on the Chiefs. I, I didn't even realize it until I seen a TikTok about it, like yeah. two days but after. For um, the fans, for the fans, I think it was more of just an icing on top of the cake that right. the refs were determining how how the game was shaping out. You know. Yeah. Obviously, right. that one for sure was was 100% the correct call. I mean, yeah. Mahomes is out of bounds, and he yeah. just throws him into the into the other players that standing on yeah. the outside there. Um, yeah. But I mean, at the same time, I believe he's a rookie. If not, he's only a second-year player. But I mean, it, it's it's a young mistake. You get caught up in the moment. You're like, well, I mean, hell, this guy just ran all over me. I got to stop him. Uh, and, and so, seeing his teammates rally around him, uh, I know his one teammate was cursing him out as they walked to the locker room. He has since apologized. But watching it, when they clean out their lockers a couple of days later, his teammates were just all standing around him, like, you know, we got your back, man. Um, and, and so that was good to see. I think the Bengals are going to be fine. They're going to be here for years to come. If they could just improve their offensive line, they are the best team in the NFL. That is the one oh, yeah. thing. And they invested in it last year, and it looked like they, they got rid of it. You could have put pylons out there, and it would have been a better offensive line. Um, but I think the Bengals are fine. They're going to be around for years to come. And I just want to say, before we go to Slate, um, the, the NFL is scripted meme is getting a little old. Uh, like I love that. I know Arian Foster came out. First of all, he didn't say the NFL was scripted. He was joking. Yeah. Everybody's running with it, but the NFL is 100% rigged. I will agree with that. I mean, just like we've seen with the NBA and stuff before, uh, I, I do believe refs are told before the game, hey, let's influence the game this way or this way, or let's keep it close. Or I think that's 100% true, but I don't think the NFL is going, okay, on this play, this is going to happen, and so on. Yeah. Um, I don't but think you can't control extent. like catches, drop passes, fumbles, yeah. like players breaking their legs or tearing yeah. Their, yeah, stuff like that. Exactly. Uh, it's not script, it's just like WWE. Well, actually, it's the opposite of WWE. (laughs) The best Um, part about the whole thing is everybody that keeps coming on Pat McAfee's show and saying, man, you couldn't have wrote it up any better than that. Like That's the best part of all of it. And and seeing the memes (laughs) is is definitely fun. Uh, But, I mean, there are people who are taking it way too seriously. The NFL is not scripted. I I, I will 100% say it's it's probably fixed a little bit, and the refs are told, hey, let's push this outcome or – yeah, and so on and so forth. But you, you can't sit there and say it's scripted. But that's that's my two cents. Other than that, I mean, it was it was fun watching football all weekend. I'm going to take the Eagles in the Super Bowl. Uh, Slade, uh, your thoughts on the weekend? Yeah, so I'll start with the Eagles 49ers. I mean, uh, it seemed as if we were all kind of on the same page at one point in the playoffs so far in that the 49ers team as a whole had all the offensive weapons minus the quarterback and all the defensive weapons needed to make this playoff run. Uh, it seemed like uh, all around, they were the best team going into the playoffs. I mean, the Eagles definitely have a very good team, but in terms of like the positional players, you have Bosa, you have uh, McCaffrey, you have, uh, what's his name, Samuel? Uh, Debo. Debo, yeah. Like they, they had all of the, the wow factor on the 49ers. And we had made comments about how 
uh, as long as they have a decent person that can throw the ball and not make mistakes, which is exactly what we saw out of Hardy for the games that he played, um, they'll be fine. Uh, it, it was really unfortunate to watch that game. I mean, I had definitely bet on the Eagles, um, and I was happy to see the Eagles win, but just not in that fashion. I mean, yeah, it, it was it was the second quarter, and you already knew the game was over. Everyone knew the game was over. George Kittle knew the game was over. Like, I mean, he's out there playing, and like they asked him after, like, how did that feel? And he's like, what do you mean, how did it feel to go out on the field with someone that can't throw the ball? First like, all, that's my yeah. position is to catch the ball, and someone that only catch the ball deserves to be fired. <laughs> That, yeah. that reporter was so stupid. For, how do you feel about losing the game? What the fuck do you think? I just lost my chance to go with a Super Bowl. What, what do you want me to right. say right now? Yeah. Right. Like, I, I, I mean, I, I don't know what so he's expecting. Asking a guy that his sole purpose is to catch a ball, and he's on a team for three quarters <laughs> with nobody that can throw the ball. Yeah. Um, I think also the fact that, uh, obviously, you can't plan for these things, but, I mean, with the 49ers and their QBS this season, they should have had this planned out. I mean, they should have known whether, I don't know what his name is, number 44, that's their fullback that they were debating whether it was going to be him or McCaffrey. They were debating yeah. which one of them they were going to mic they were going to mic up their helmets or whatever. Um that should have been something that was already planned out before the game, which one was going to be number 1 after Johnson and which one was going to be 2 if that person got hurt. Um I mean, I just think that that's something that they should have thought of. I mean, you've already gone through a season where you're on your third yeah. quarterback. You can't tell me that there wasn't a better quarterback sitting on that was cut or just hanging yeah. out. That was not better than goddamn Josh Johnson. As soon as he the first pass he threw, I went, "Oh god, this is gonna be horrible." He, right, you right. look at the so, fumble. Like, not only did he like just he didn't not even take his eyes off snap. it. He literally just he watched yeah, the ball hit his, his hands, hands and, and dropped, he, and then it hit the ground, and he continued to stare at it. Like uh, that to me, that's they, effort. But he could not uh, break the huddle. They they got what three delay game penalties in like the yeah. first few drives. There is a giant ass clock in front of you. Yeah. He's a 15 year veteran in the NFL. How do you not see this giant clock saying five? And he's just, all right, guys, we got this. Yeah, like you, yeah. honestly, Colin Kaepernick probably could have played better than he did. And I understand there's a lot with Colin Kaepernick and the 49ers. I guarantee the 49ers said, "Hey, come play." He would be like, yeah, "Yeah, let me prove my point." Right, yeah. Maybe not, but still, I, yeah, there's could not in hindsight. In hindsight, after watching one quarter of that game, I wish I got to see the Eagles face the Giants again for a third time this season over that game because that was just – I mean, you almost feel Cowboys. bad watching. I would have rather seen the Cowboys. That would have been okay. more fun. But you almost feel bad watching those three quarters. Like, I, I felt bad for George Kittle yeah. having to sit up there and answer that reporter's question. Right. It's, knowing it's a bad hit. That's all I care about. <laughs> right. But, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, just to kind of go over the game, I mean, Purdy dropped back on the first – first drive i think it was the sixth play in and he's dropping back for a pass gets hit uh kind of tweaks his arm back fumbles the ball um like they said afterwards he tore his ucl on his elbow most likely is going to require surgery i think for his camp like him his conditioners his qb coach stuff like that they're looking for a second opinion right now i think that they know that this is all or nothing kind of right now for him that if he doesn't isn't able to like be ready for the start of this upcoming season and kind of buy for that starting spot with Trey Lance, that it may be a long road until he gets a chance to start again. Because he, he kind of fell into a perfect position. And it seems like the team was, uh, from Kyle Shanahan's point of view, I'll say, it seemed like they were more than willing if they made it to the Super Bowl and Jimmy G was ready to go, he was going to see the playing time. He was going to see playing time. Uh, even though they had just gone eight games with Purdy and he had done a phenomenal job uh, standing in. But, uh, I mean, a- after that happens – we see McCaffrey break away for like a 29 yard touchdown, which I mean, they weren't going to score unless he broke away for that because they were going to kick a field goal. They were going to, they weren't, 
moving the ball at all. Yeah. Um, and then we saw, I think Miles Sanders got a second touchdown after that. And then Josh Johnson comes out. I mean, they punt the ball. Both teams punt the ball with five on five straight drives. Mm-hmm. And then Josh Johnson has the play where he drops back, gets hit the same exact way that Brock Purdy got hit. Except for this time, he goes down. He gets hit a little harder, obviously, where his head smacks the ground. Um, the team was not going to take him out. The booth upstairs is the one that had called down and said he needed to come out of the game based on the way his head hit the ground. Uh, obviously, it was the right call. He gets ruled with a concussion. Um, the fact that Purdy went back into the game at all after them just – I mean, it was what they needed to do at that time. He needed to go in and hand the ball off because it was just going to end the half. But – um. The I mean, fact I, that he went into the game in the second half, knowing that they can't pass the ball, I think they would have been better off putting a wide receiver. Someone has played quarterback at some point in their life. Uh, he was not going to be able to throw the ball, especially if his torn UCL. Um, and we saw that. We saw that it, it was just a handoff the rest of the game, basically. Uh, I, I just didn't really care to watch that for three quarters. Um, also, most disrespectful play I've seen, I think, this year was the Eagles on the two-yard line pulling the ball back and lining up on like the two and a half yard line and running a QB sneak two plays. And on the second play, just having the lineman step back and get behind Jalen hurts and push him in. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the fact that the 49ers couldn't stop that, I don't know. like they were literally giving up a half yard. Kelsey pulled the ball back a half yard before snapping it. Um, yeah. I just mean, uh, uh, and and their fans, the Eagles fans in general, uh, I think that they're celebrating because they realized the last time they made it, they had to go with a backup quarterback. I mean, this year, Lane Johnson's playing with a, a, a messed up abductor adductor in his leg uh, near his groin. So basically the sole job that he has to do, which is step back and kind of pivot to the side to block block the edge defender, is is torn in his leg. So he's he's going through a lot of pain every single play. Um I think it's just a lot of emotions running for them. And and like we said, everyone hates on Philly rightfully, but uh, so, so they just, they have a lot of haters that they feel like they're proving wrong. Just making it back to the game. As for the other game, I mean, Jesus, my dog's chasing after the cats. Um, as for the other game, I, I think that the, the Bengals were lucky to be in it. I mean, the, the chiefs, uh, it, it seems as if they were just going to be fine with kicking field goals the whole game and just not letting the Bengals get to the other side of the field because I had texted you guys, I think in the second quarter, I was like, they just can't even get to the other side of the field right now. Like I would just like if they could get to the other side. Um, I had picked a bro to win and for 200 plus yards, like very beginning of the game, that obviously wasn't cashing. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just a, a lot of things. Uh, I think it's very unfortunate that that play happened at the very end. Obviously it was the right call. Um, I am anxious to see if anything comes out of this investigation. I guess the head ref's son placed a big bet on the Chiefs, and the NFL is actually investigating him. Um, he said that he he was interviewed on like a radio show and just openly said it. No clue why would you just openly yeah. say that? Like you'll never ref a game again because people are going to think the NFL is rigged. Now this whole thing is going around, so they're just going to get rid of him. I would assume, but. Yeah, I feel I, like I, you I have know. to at this point, like yeah, to, like you said, to just keep him around. Like yeah, I mean he's it's... he's gonna be looked at as a fraud for every game that he steps onto the field. Yeah, uh, but but yeah, just to not keep going on and on. I mean, I'm gonna pick the Eagles still, also just because there's a lot of injuries on the Chiefs side. But uh, Mahomes showed that uh, Burrow did not pass him in being the better quarterback. Everyone talked about Burrow has passed him and Josh Allen, and and I mean. Mahomes showed up injured or not. And See, he, I wouldn't he, disagree he with that. Able to, 
he was able or, to lead his team at least. Or I should say that I would I would disagree with that. Not I wouldn't disagree with that because everybody keeps talking like Travis Kelsey made the comment right after the game. Oh, it's not Burrowhead. It, you know, yada yada yada. Joe Burrow is still three and one versus Patrick Mahomes. So I. I mean, uh, to, Patrick but, Mahomes finally got one game on a last-second play that is controversial. Not a last-second play. There was a few plays like that third and nine. Obviously, was probably the biggest one. I'm going to go up. back. I'm going to dis- disagree with you even more. I- I've said it before. Winning and losing is not a, a-, a quarterback stat. Both, no, all, I, all all the games that Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow played against each other have not come down to quarterback play. You go back. You go back last season when they okay. played at the Bengals. Hold on, when they played at the Bengals. At the end of the season, both of them played their asses off. They were both threw for like 375 yards. Neither one of them was making mistakes you, you, yeah. throughout all the playoffs. This year, the, the game in the, in the AFC Championship one. game was all Joe Burrow's fault. His team fought, scratch, and clawed to keep them in that game. And he goes out there, he threw two terrible interceptions. The first one, he literally underthrew his receiver by 10 yards. That's he's, on he's him. Also, the second also one, he put into a situation that he did not need to. There was no need to take a 40 yard shot down the field. Mm-hmm. And the double coverage ends up getting picked off. Without those two interceptions, this is a completely different conversation. I will sit here and agree with you. Yeah, but Joe you Burrow and, and and here's the thing: the QB factor, the part that plays it all. Joe Burrow said there's two things about a quarterback. He said this himself that show whether they're going to be a great or they're great at their position or not. One is if you get the ball within three minutes, you have to be able to score. He failed to do that. Second one. He said that sacks on third down don't count because you're only trying to extend the play as much as you can. You're either going to punt the ball or you get the first down. It's all or nothing. But he got sacked multiple times, and it wasn't all on third down. He was just standing, and that might be because his line is a little banged up right now and stuff like that. But like George said, they tried to make uh, changes in the offseason because the the Super Bowl was bad. I mean, when, he spent more time yeah, on his back yeah. than he when did When that Bengals offense times. is at their best, it's quick passes. Burrow's getting the ball. Mm-hmm. We saw that the first drive. He's getting the ball out. He got, Chase had 20 yards receiving the first drive, and it, all of it was on slants. And all of a sudden, he would drop back and then sit in the pocket. Now, is that on the o- offensive coordinator versus him? I don't know. You, you could argue that both ways. I'm not the ones in there calling the plays. I don't know what's going on. But I, I definitely think Burrow – we've seen Mahomes for, for so many years now. Mahomes is used to these situations and so on. He's used to going to AFC Championship games and, and sitting in this situation. His first uh-huh. AFC Championship game, he played against Brady, and, and we saw how that goes. He's used to playing in the NFL in these these higher pressure situations a little bit more. Joe Burrow is going to be an amazing quarterback for years to come. I'm not saying he he doesn't have the possibility to pass them. I'm just saying right now he still has a, a farther way to go to, to pass Mahomes. I think he's number two right now. I would put him directly behind Mahomes. But I think just the way Mahomes has been able to carry himself the last few years, and especially on, on this past Sunday more so, when he's hurt, he lost his top three wide receivers as, aside from Kelsey. And Kelsey was questionable throughout the whole game. I, I think just in that aspect alone, I would keep Mahomes ahead of Burrow. But again, I'm not saying Burrow is bad or, any, or anything yeah. else like that. I mean, the, so the main thing here that I'm thinking of is, again, you know, I understand, like you said, we've talked about it before, you know, wins don't define a quarterback and whatnot. But like first, first thing I'd say is I look back to last year, and obviously this year, but not to the same extent as last year. Mahomes has always had protection, always. And Burrow, especially last year, you know, this year, yeah, got a little banged up. I think some of the sacks that he took on Sunday were his fault, um, but not all of them. But more last year, I, this was a team that wasn't expected to do shit. 
yeah, they had Chase. Um, and and I think Higgins and Boyd are both underrated. Higgins is finally getting some more respect. So so I'll you know I'll give some benefit of the doubt and say that you know Burrow had a better receiving core. But as a quarterback, I you know I I never played. I played quarterback for one week in training camp one year. I was a sophomore, I think. So like I I don't know fully, but I can tell you for that one week. When there was pressure in my face, now granted these guys are professionals, they can pay millions of dollars, but like it it's tough. And especially when you're taking sacks, whether your fault or not, like, you know, it it, it gets to you. The two shots, uh, I, I was watching there, I was thinking, you know, what the hell are you doing? But I think that it, it again, I don't know what was going through his head, but if I'm Burrow and I have to take these quick shots, and even when we're, you know, when we're trying to run quick stuff and I'm still getting sacked, like I think if you have the time to take a shot, there's probably something in his head that says, I have to take this. And again, you know, it's his what third year in the league, second year in the league, yeah. third, third, second. yeah, third, third, second, third. He got he hurt. hurt. He yeah, he got hurt. hurt. Yeah, that's right. So third. So yeah, those are things that eventually, you know, may, maybe this off season he'll work on. Hey, look, just because I don't have time to take a shot, I don't need to take it. Whatever the situation. He's going to have to work on it because this is going to be the story of his career at the Bengals. He's not yeah. going to have time to throw the ball. They're going to have yeah. to get someone that can run the ball, and he's going to be able to be able to get rid of the ball as soon as he drops back. Yeah. And, you know, because I obviously they knew they had to work on the O-line. I don't think they did it nearly enough. I'm sure Burrow probably didn't either. But, you know, he can't go out and say that. Uh, and the same, the same thing with Josh Allen. Yeah. The same thing as as Josh Allen, you know, great quarterback, has the arm that you would want, has the mobility, more mobility than Burrow. But it's the one to three decisions that are being made in a game that – you know, is the difference between either one of those two being in the conference championship and, you know, possibly the Super Bowl. Um, so I, I think when, when I say that I think one quarterback is specifically better than the other, um, obviously mental is a part of that game. But usually when I'm saying something like that, I'm talking more just raw talent. Like I said, I know the mental is there. Um, you know, we can we can talk about that all day because in, in mental, I, I don't think Burrow is, is the best by any means. And I know. Patrick Mahomes does all kinds of crazy shit. He could probably bend his arm backwards sideways and still throw a ball 50 yards down the field, you know, which at that part is what it is. But, you know, we'll, we'll see, obviously, that the season's coming to an end here. You know, Burrow's obviously not in the Super Bowl, so, so we'll see. Yeah. Uh, we're going to skip Two great quarterbacks, ball. though, nonetheless. Nothing yeah. to take anything away from either. No. The uh, three of us could talk about this for a whole episode. Yeah. Probably. Um, we're going to skip Pro Bowl talk this week. We'll talk about it after, about how much we hate it uh, and the Pro Bowl needs to leave. Uh, let's go ahead. Let's shift over to golf. Let's review uh, the standings from last week. Uh, our first tournament is in the books. Uh, I ended up picking up Max Homa uh, on a last-minute replacement, and it worked out very well for me. Uh, he picks up the win. Uh, so I got a 20-point lead over Nick, uh, and Slade is a, not eight points behind him uh, heading into this week at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Uh, this is a great tournament. We had to kind of explain to Slade how it works, uh, but it's okay. We got to figure it out. Um, so for those of you at home that don't know how it works, uh, so what's going to happen is there is a amateur tournament, so all your celebrities are there. Josh Allen, who we just yeah, speaking of Josh play, Allen, <laughs> um, he's skipping the Pro Bowl to go play there. Uh, Bill Murray, a, a lot of comedians and stuff are going to be there. It's a lot of fun, but they play their own tournament. They're just alongside the pros. They get paired with the pro. They go out, they play, but they, their scores are separate. It's not like a, a scramble tournament or something like that. Um, but it is a lot of fun to watch. It definitely keeps things interesting. Uh, so let's go ahead. Let's make our picks for this week, uh, the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am, and why we're making our picks, as always. Slade, uh, we'll have you go first. We'll go loser to winner. 
Mm. We called you a loser. Basically a winner. Jeez, it was week one. Um, <laughs> so my first person is McNeely. Um, I, I, oh, sorry. I see that you have it in a different way. So put, Putnam, I kind of picked him just because he was in the, the power rankings. I had never really heard of him much, but uh, I figured that I'd get him out of the way because there's no point in me. I don't think I'm ever going to pick him the rest of the season. Uh, I want Jordan Smith. I window. think that I, yeah, I hope. Um, and if he does, I hope that I keep him off my bench because Ricky Fowler showed out last week and I had him on the bench. Yeah, he did. Um, well, in all fairness, he waited till the last day to do something. So yeah, well, yeah. Uh, last day and a half, we'll say. Yeah. Uh, so I, I also went with McNeely. Um, I think that I liked his first name. I also saw that one of you guys picked him, so that's why I had to go with him. Um, Victor Hovland, because he's just been phenomenal last season. He's kind of been oh, right around that top 10 in terms of players last season, I felt like. Um, and then Dahman and Power both uh, were, were kind of flirting with, like I feel like, the top 15, top 20 last year. At a couple of tournaments, they were in the top 5 to 10 uh, for some of the tournaments that maybe not, not a lot of big names were at. Um, and then I think my big pick for this week would be Jordan Spieth. I think that he is the favorite going into this um, one of. So I just think that he's probably my best shot at getting a win this week. Unfortunately, I think everyone else picked him or three of four picked him. So we'll see. <laughs> uh, Nick, let's go ahead and look at your picks for this week. Yeah. So uh, up first, I, I don't care how you have it on the, on the thing. I got it in my notes here and I'm going to confuse myself. So uh, up first, I had Jordan Spieth. Like Slade said, one of the two favorites, uh, one of the two biggest names in the field. That is not a coincidence whatsoever. He has prior success here. Uh, that second big name would be Matt Fitzpatrick. Um, he has also had prior success here. Um, and then up next, I have Justin Rose. He finished tied for third in 2019 after shooting a final round of 74. Do that math real quick. He obviously was doing pretty good before that. Um, and he also had a final round collapse last year. I think if not, I think if he can avoid that final round collapse, he could be in a very good position uh, to win this tournament come the end. He could just uh, next stop on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just you know, talk him, give him a couple, toss him a couple hundred thousand dollars and get him to just close it off. Then, uh, but yeah. Up next, I have Nick Taylor. Uh, he's played here every year since 2015, and he won in 2020. Uh, and he also has two other top 15s. Uh, next, I have Tom. Is it Hoge? Uh, Hogue? Hogue. 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 Okay. I said I'd never heard his name pronounced. Um, he's defending champion. He's in really great form right now. Uh, Maverick McNeely, like Slade said, uh, he had a T5 here in 2020 and his first ever runner-up finish in the PGA here last year. Uh, great opportunity to keep one-upping himself here and bring home his first four win. And I thought I had one more. That's why I was talking in that tone, but I don't. So. <laughs> uh, we'll go over my picks now. Uh, first up, I have Joel Dahman as well. Uh, he has five top 25s and seven starts this year. Uh, again, he last year he was flirting with the U.S. Open lead. Uh, I believe actually he led it to the first round. Uh, and he's really developed his game here lately. Uh, he's like best friends with Max Homa, so clearly they're getting some work in together. Uh, but last year he tied sixth here at this tournament. Matt Fitzpatrick, uh, this is his third start in 2023. He has two top 25s and one top 10 finish so far. Uh, at this tournament last year, he finished tied sixth. At the 2019 U.S. Open that was played here at Pebble Beach, he finished tied 12th. Uh, Danny Willett is my next pick. Uh, in 2023, he's made three of six cuts. Uh, in those cuts he's made, he has two top 25 finishes and one second-place finish. Uh, he finished T12 here at the 2019 Open as well. Uh, Jordan Spieth, my next pick uh, on all of our boards. Again, like Slate said, betting favorite going into this weekend. 
Uh, he has a lot of money put on him. So hopefully people aren't disappointed. I can't bet, so I'm, I'm okay. Um, he won this tournament in 2017. In his last three years playing here, his lowest finish is tied ninth. Uh, tied ninth, tied third, and then he finished second last year, tied second, actually. Uh, Victor Hovland, my next pick. Four starts this year and so far in 2023. Uh, four top 25s and two top 10s. Uh, he finished tied 12th at the 2019 U.S. Open as well. And last but not least, I also have Tom Hogue. Uh, he's, like Nick said, defending winner uh, in 2023, his three starts. He has one third-place finish, three top 10 finishes, and five top 25 finishes. Uh, so a really good year so far. He's played some good golf. Uh, I expect him to be in contention again for the win, uh, but I definitely think he's going to have a good showing and get me a lot of points. Um, <laughs> let's go back. Let's talk about the Farmers Open here real quick. Uh, a really good tournament. It was nice to see Sam Ryder at the top of the, of the leaderboard the entire week. Uh, unfortunately, just kind of fell apart on Sunday. Max Homa came flying out of nowhere. He kind of hanging around, you know, the top 10 the first two days. Day three, he really put in some good work, got into the top five. But I really thought Sam Ryder's lead was just too big uh, I, I, for somebody like Max Homa to make it up. I thought with John Rahm storming back on day three there to get into contention, I think he was two shots back going into Sunday. Uh, that was awesome to see. Um, so you're Slade, we'll go to you. Uh, your thoughts just on you know the tournament as a whole. Yeah, so I really thought it was a great tournament. I didn't get to actually watch a lot of it since I was at work. But um, it, it was my favorite part was Ricky Fowler being able to, you know, at least compete. I mean, we haven't seen him really make a cut or even if he made a cut, uh, compete after that. I mean, we've seen him make a cut and then basically finish last out of all the guys that made the cut. Um, yeah. So it, it was really nice. Uh, a big disappointment because I went all out. I yeah, I went all out and put him on my roster, and then I, I didn't have the guts to actually start him. Um, ended up definitely losing some points there. I don't think it would have been enough to even be close with Nick. I think I would have maybe bridged the gap by maybe five points putting him in. But yeah, I mean, it, it would have been nice to put him in the lineup and kind of have that. But yeah, that was my favorite part. No, it, it was really cool. Like you said, I mean, we're huge fans of Ricky Fowler. See, I know he's like kind of redeveloped his full swing. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, we saw him at the end of last year. He, I, I watched one of his interviews. I think he played with Good Good uh, on YouTube, and I watched that round. He talked about how it was so uncomfortable last year, and he, he just didn't like it, but he was sitting there doing it uh, and, and didn't really adapt his game to his new swing, and that's why he struggled so much with it. But then, you know, this whole offseason, he really put in a lot of work to it, and he definitely looks more comfortable. He's playing better golf, mm -hmm. uh, and it was awesome seeing him get up there. He was flirting top five all day. Kind of stumbled at the end of his round on Sun or Saturday, uh, so that that sucked to see. But it's good to know that he is able to go out there and, and compete on some of these tournaments. Um, but yeah, like you said, it was it was a very good tournament, a lot of fun to watch. Uh, I'm excited to see where Ricky Fowler can go the rest of this season. Um, so you and I we're going to talk a little NASCAR until Nick gets back. Uh, the like Bushlight Clash is this weekend. Um, it's the event that has started the NASCAR season essentially for years and years now. Um, I want to get your thoughts. Do you like the clash? If so, uh, would you, if you don't like it, what would you do to fix it or improve it? Uh, and, and we'll go from there. Yeah. So I honestly love the clash. I think that it's great. I think it was great when it was in Daytona and they just spent two weeks out there, whatever it was. I, I like that it's on the West coast now. Um, I feel like they only go there for what they do. the the West coast swing for like mm -hmm. four or five weeks and then they go back to Phoenix later on in the season. And that's about it. Um, 
I, I like that they go out there. They kind of get more fans involved. It's disappointing that it has to be in the Coliseum because it does kind of look like they're just giving out free tickets for any event that's in the Coliseum. Um, just kind of fill the stage. I mean, it's nice that they have uh, different people showing up. I think last year they had like Ice Cube. Uh, or no, wait, was it? Who was it? Uh, I think it was Ice Cube. Yeah, Ice, and Ice this, year, Wiz, this year Wiz Khalifa. Yeah, this year Wiz Khalifa is going to be there during uh, like the halftime, basically of it. Um, there's also what's what's the other group that? I know Dixie D'Amelio is going to play there. Uh, the Chainsmokers, I think, are playing there. Yeah, there, there's, there's a lot of big names, and then they put Dixie in there. I'm like, why? why? There's there's that a group was... that's actually like uh, that's headlining it, but I forget what their name is. Um, but I'm just kind of. Uh, anxious to see if if we see like new starts new history i mean logano won the first race last year here at the clash and then won the championship will we see a repeat like that um i don't know last season also when they went here um we saw the teams were just getting these new cars there was parts all overseas that they couldn't they couldn't have access to i mean Mm -hmm. these guys were going out there hoping that they weren't touching the wall touching another car because they didn't have anything to fix their cars um, I think that the entire Stuart Haas racing team, they sent the cars out with the stickers on them and one backup for the four teams that went out. So you had to hope that you didn't need that because there was only one option. Um, also, I, I just think that it's nice when they race on those short tracks. I like the beating and banging. I think we're going to see a lot more of that this year now that the parts isn't an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I, I think one thing I would like to change is I think it'd be cool if they did the pit stops outside of the track. Yeah. I think it'd be cool if they kind of went on to a pit road outside and then you saw them come back in um, almost like there's like a paddock outside, you know, how like at F1 races, there's paddocks yeah. like uh, the one that's in uh, Florida. I think that the paddock is in uh, the Miami Dolphins stadium this year, but, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's one of the things I guess I would want to change. I mean, if they did a little bit of a bigger track, not inside the Coliseum, it would be nice to see more than 27 cars on the track. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that 27 cars is is a nice way to start the season out because you're going to see the best of the best cars. You're not going to see a, a McLeod or someone out there make. I mean, they're going to go out there and try, but he's that team's most like not most likely not going to make it. So you get yeah. to see the best of the best, and uh, it doesn't count for anything. So people are willing to make moves. Yeah, um, I, I definitely like the the event and the idea of the clash. I don't really like the format right now. Like you said, I wouldn't mind if they stayed on the West Coast, but the Coliseum, it's just way too small. There, you, there's nothing that can happen. They, they run single file, and then the last lap, somebody gets shoved out of the way, and then you get, you, get, you know you have your winner there. Um, so I would really I, – I brought up a, a whole new format. I would love, first of all, for them to go back to Daytona. Uh, I think that would be really cool to see them there. Or, I mean, I know they're tearing down Auto Club. I mean, it would have been cool if they want to stay on the West Coast, go go to Auto Club, give them another event. Um but I, I like the old school. Go back to Daytona, make it a Saturday night race, make it pole winners only. The, the stage winners, I don't like that. You know, and most of them are either a your pole winners or end up going on to win the race. Uh, the race winners get the All Star race. Give the pole winners their race. It's for pole winners and previous winners of the event. You know, the clash itself. Um, that's what it, it's an exclusive club to get into. It, it should be something that you're an event that you're proud to get into and, and happy to go compete in, not just be like oh. You know, first of all, 27 cars is way too much for that tiny of a track. But yeah, um, that's expanded I, from last year. Last year yeah. it was less. Yeah, but I, 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 it's too much to me. Um, yeah, it, it should be poll winners only. Uh, I know that's Dale Jr. stance and his comments on it before. You know, the, the event is losing so much of its luster because it's not as prestigious as it used to be. Um, but I, I would also add, and again, 
the car count isn't my issue. It is just because of the track they're on right now. Mm -hmm. um, add the Xfinity, you know, Xfinity pole winners and truck pole winners and so on. If one of them, I would love to see it almost be like you a... You want the trucks on there with it? I, I, I would want to see no. it one of two ways. Either... No, stock cars, not sprint yeah, cars, sorry. Like the, the, the stock cars and the trucks all going out there together. Or let's do it like an IROC format. Uh, and, and hey, everybody gets the same car. We go out mm -hmm. there and we run this race. Uh, I, I think that's something NASCAR can definitely fund for one race. Hey, let's go out here and do 60 laps at, at Daytona. And just we, we get to see how good these truck drivers really are compared to, you know, the NASCAR drivers, guys that have been in the truck series for years, like Matt Crafton, you know, guys like that. Uh, give them their shot against, you know, full-time cup drivers. Uh, but like I said, uh, do it Saturday night. Uh, then you get a regular practice. Sunday and Monday, you qualify Tuesday night for the Daytona 500. Uh, you get another practice Wednesday. You get the duels Thursday. Then you got truck Friday, Xfinity Saturday, Cup Sunday. I think that would be it, – it brings back, first of all, the full Speed Weeks format, which is a lot of fun to see. You and I were talking about practice before. You want to cut that out and just make one practice before qualifying, one practice before the duels. I, th I would be fine with that too. But like I said, I think there definitely needs to be some practice at the Daytona 500 especially. But like I said, that's if I wanted to change the clash format, that's what I would want to see. Welcome unfortunately, back. unfortunately, it looks like what they're trying to do based on talks last season after this race mm -hmm. is is they're trying to take this thing global. They're trying to take the clash race and they're trying to put it in like Webley Stadium or something like that. They're they're trying to go overseas and trying to track attract um more viewership. It, it seemed to be what uh like Jeff Burton, uh Rick Allen, whoever whoever the broadcasters were that covered it last year, that seemed to be what their thoughts were and what NASCAR's direction that they wanted to go was, is that they want, they want to show that this is able to be done in a stadium aspect and that they can take it anywhere in the world because yeah. they can put the track down in 50 days and tear it up in five. Yeah. I, I can definitely see them going that direction. It's just, it's not what I would want to see. Right. Um, just because I don't, NASCAR is an American sport. Like I didn't have mm -hmm. a problem when we, when we went to Canada and Mexico, because those are fun. Those are, fans that we can bring in that aren't afraid to, Hey, Mexico fans aren't afraid to go travel to a weekend at Texas or California, something like that to go to another NASCAR race outside of Mexico city. Whereas I, I feel like if we go to European or Europe, Europe, oh. European oh, did fans, Hannah just turn around when she heard you say that. <laughs> she probably peeked um, her head in. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, I, my concern about going to like Europe and Asia uh, and dealing with European fans is they are so, they already have a hate for NASCAR. Just because of the internet and, and how everybody outside of America views our sports like football and racing. Well, F1 is proper racing. And also, I, I feel like it'll, it'll maybe it'll help and it'll, it'll turn some fans' eyes to it. And that would be great. Yeah. At the same time, my, my worry about going global like that is just the, the snobbiness of, you know, F1 fans, especially, uh, and their, their resentment towards NASCAR. Um, it, it's an American sport. Let's just keep it. Not everything needs to, you know, be exported and go global. We have F1. We're expanding F1 in America, and I love that. Let's keep that the way it is, uh, and let, let's just keep Amer or, uh, NASCAR here in America. That, that would be my thoughts on it. Um, NASCAR rolled out some rule changes this week. We're going to go ahead and we're going to talk about those a little bit. Some of them are really good. Uh, some of them maybe not so much. Um, first Which rule up. I mean, I know I was missing there for a second, but I, I didn't know if you had any thoughts. I, know I do. NASCAR. Okay, I'm I sorry. Do. Go ahead. I talk about I it. Specifically, I actually, when I was typing this up, I actually got a little heated about it earlier. To oh, be wow. honestly. Okay. Well, bring it on. Yeah. So, uh, 
I, I don't know what all was said here, so I'm just going to go word for word what I wrote in my notes here. And, you know, if I'm double saying anything, I apologize. Uh, so let's take a second to be honest with ourselves here. We watch NASCAR. What? Trying <laughs> to kill myself. Oh, <coughs> go ahead. <laughs> um, so we watch NASCAR because we want to see cars go fast. And I fast eat ass, baby. That's right. Um, we don't see that at the clash. I mean, yeah, they're still like, let's be honest, they're still going, you know, a little fast, but they're going. I don't know what the exact speeds are, but to me, it looks like they're going. An hour. Yeah. yeah. So like, it's not. It's it's not racing speed. It you know, it's less than half speed. It, nobody wants to watch that. If I can hop my Buick across and pass you guys, you're not going fast. Enough. Exactly, exactly. The only good thing about the Clash, and this is the only good thing, and I did some deep research to figure out if there was some, like, deep... I mean, it's at the Coliseum, which the Coliseum is cool, but the only good thing is that it's sponsored by Bush Light. That was the only good thing I could find about the Clash. It's also, yeah. this is only its second year being there. Yeah. And, that, call, that, and called the Bush Clash is, like... The third no, no, it's been, it's been called, yeah. But, so, actually... It used to be called. I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you. It the, was the Bush originally. Yeah, yeah. I'll give you the full rundown of the history. So it started yeah. off as a Bush Light Clash or Bush Clash, either mm-hmm. one. Sure. I think it was Bush originally, but mm. they sponsored for years. It was at Daytona every spring, and then I believe it went from Bush directly to Budweiser. And it was called the Budweiser Shootout, and then mm-hmm. it was a Saturday night race that kicked off Speed Weeks. So it was a lot of fun, and then it went from uh, Budweiser. I think it was like the advanced auto parts clash or something like that. And it was it was terribly named. And then they moved it to Sunday morning and it was super dumb. <laughs> and then they went to the road course format for a couple years and then went back to the Bush Light name. And then they moved it to the Coliseum. Okay. All right. Gotcha. See, yeah, it's not even like it's not even a history at the Coliseum. It just happens to be at a cool yeah. place right now. Uh so yeah, I mean, I get it. There is some passing. You get you know, you get to some of these races and it's single file, follow the leader. Um, but there's also passing and wheelchair racing and nobody wants to watch that shit either. Uh, so this is, this is how we fix it. All right. You double the width of the track. Stay with me here. You cover it with dirt and you do all, if you're going to do short track races, you they do, do them on fucking race. dirt. They do this. It's, it's Bristol. It's yeah, the dirt yeah. track, which is exactly double the track that you just said. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Season. If yeah. you're, if you're going to do short track races, Put them on dirt. There's no need for a two-lane road driving around the center of the Coliseum. There's no need for it. Nobody wants I, to watch the shit. People like showed the up. They have done that, though. Bristol, and they take the trucks to Eldora. I'll, yeah. So, like, I'll be I honest with you. Like, the truck race at Eldora, and I think they moved it to Knoxville now because Tony Stewart yeah. and NASCAR had their whole feud when he started SRX. Um <laughs> But the NASCAR race at Bristol sucks. I'm sorry. Like, it was, it was cool and nostalgic, like, the first year. Uh, last year it was like, eh. like that's what I'm saying. And I'm not yeah. even saying that it's an upgrade, but or it is an upgrade. But like, I'm not saying it's a huge upgrade. I, I just don't think like watching the short dirt track. You know, I love dirt track racing, but even you know, in these these NASCAR cars, they just it's not the same. Um, it it's not like what NASCAR cars. NASCAR cars. Yeah, NASCAR cars. <laughs> I. NASCARs sound like it just it sounded weird in my head, so I didn't want to say race NASCAR. Cars, say race car. Stock yeah, car. race car, stock car, whatever race the hell it cars. is. Yeah, yeah, and these race car cars, uh, it's just it's not fun to watch at all. Uh, it, the dirt track, like you said, it was nostalgic for a little bit, but even and after the first year, it was like, okay, this is old. Um, so either do away with it or put dirt under it. That's my two cents. All right, all right. Yeah, 
kind of the same thought that Nick or Slave and I had. Slave yeah. likes it. He just wants it. In like a different I, said, I wasn't here for it, so I was like, yeah, I was just no. gonna let it out. Um, I said yeah. the Coliseum is a hard park to get any fans to go to. They have to get the tickets out for free, and so they should go somewhere else on the West Coast. I, I like that. Too. George said he kind of wants it to go back to normal in Daytona. Yeah. yeah. Um. All right. You never go wrong with a race at Daytona. We're, we're gonna go back to oh, unless Austin Dillon wins this fucking thing. Well, um. Now we're gonna go to the NASCAR rule changes. Uh. This is not all the rule changes that were announced, but these are some of the key ones. Um, so first up, and what I think is the best rule change they made this year, uh, is the detached wheel rule. So last year, it didn't matter if it was in pit road. I think like the only exception they made throughout the whole season was like if it was pulling out of your pit box and it fell off, it wouldn't suspend you for four races. Um, it didn't leave your box, yeah. Yeah. Um, so if it happens on pit road, uh, if it's under green, you have to do a pass-through penalty. If it's under caution... Uh, you would go to the tail end. Uh, I believe it used to be called the longest line. I, I, I guess it's just tail end. Yeah, no, now. yeah, yeah. Uh, since they do two by two restarts, um, if you are on the track and it happens, like if you pull off pit road, you start going around the turn and it falls off. Uh, it's a two lap penalty and a two race suspension for your crew chief. And I might have been one other person, um, but that's the biggest rule change. I'm I'm super happy about that. But we'll go into more detail here in a second. Uh, next rule change they made, there will be no stage breaks at road courses. Uh, they're still going to have stages set up at certain points, but they will no longer throw the caution for it. Uh, and so you get points for wherever you finish at the end of that lap, uh, but there's no more caution. I think that's awesome. Again, we'll talk about it here in a second. Uh, wet tires will be available in ovals. Now, it can only run in damp conditions. Um, they will be available at the, the Coliseum this weekend. Martinsville, North Wilkesboro, New Hampshire, Phoenix, Richmond, at Milwaukee and Indianapolis Raceway Park. Uh, the next rule they made is they got rid of the requirement. You have to be the top 30 in driver points to make the playoffs. Uh, I think it was top 20 in the Xfinity points. Uh, but the, the only requirement, you have to be a full-time driver. Uh, and then if you're not, you need a special waiver uh, to get branded into the playoffs. And last but not least, the Hail Melon, uh, the move that Ross Chastain made famous uh, at Martinsville to get into the championship for uh, is technically banned now. Uh, you can still do it, but you will get a time penalty for it. Um, so, Nick, we'll, we'll get your thoughts first, uh, your, your thoughts on any of these rule changes. Yeah, so uh, up first, I think it's smart to ban the wall riding. Um, mm. I, I think we could all probably agree that Chastain got really lucky. Uh, when you're traveling at that speeds and you willingly push yourself up against the wall, nobody really knows what could happen. You could end up bouncing off that wall and causing a huge wreck. Um, obviously if you and your team is willing to take the damage for that you know i whatever it sounds stupid to me but i i guess you know in chastain's position it, it was in a way to get him to the next round of the playoffs um but a huge risk that i i don't think is worth it um in any race uh second they almost did the right thing uh they should have stopped the stage breaks in every race uh that's just my opinion i think that's the dumbest thing um when i stopped watching nascar there for a while they didn't have stages yet. And then obviously when I started to get back into it, I was like, what the hell is this? Like, I, I want to see a race, you know, nobody likes cautions to begin with. And now you're just going to willingly add, um, not only stage breaks, but like the, um, I forget what they call them, but when they basically cause or call the caution or whatever. Competition caution. Yeah, there we go. I couldn't think of the word. Um, <clears throat> I, I think that's stupid. Just let the people yeah. race. If there's a caution, Throw the caution flag. Yeah, but um, before you move on, we'll, we'll break down those two. Because uh, Slade and I talked about, uh, especially the, the, the stage break one here a little bit. Uh, so back up to the Hail Melon. Again, I agree with you. 
on one hand, hey, it was really cool that it happened. It was such a, an awesome moment. It was a top moment on Sports Center. God only knows the last time NASCAR had the number one moment on Sports Center. That's yeah, <laughs> not top ten. Um, but it, it it's really cool now. On one hand, it, nothing was done like it before, and it's cool to know that nothing will ever be the same move will never be done again. There's there's one and you know the one and only hail melon move or whatever. Yeah, uh, but like you said, it's definitely a safety concern. Uh, we don't want people, and a lot of people brought up the Kyle Larson move at uh, Darlington early in the season. Is that considered the same thing? Is that is that banned as well? I think it is uh, because he basically you know did the same thing. Wall road through three and four, trying to pass Hamlin. Um, but yeah, it, it's a safety concern. If that gate he banged into that gate, if that opens yeah. up and he hits the wall, he's going to rip the whole right side of his car off. Yeah. Uh, so definitely a huge safety concern. <clears throat> again, it was cool to see. I'm glad it won't be done again, uh, and it definitely makes. I would say the race a little bit more fair, but uh, and then to the stage break rule, I, I already said it. Slade and I were talking about before the difference need, of opinions. Yeah, the, the need for it has gone away in my eyes. You know, it, it was brought in because NASCAR races were getting boring there for years, and these groups are getting strung out. And the same guy would lead the whole race, and you know, we were talking about it. There was definitely times in the past couple of years, like Larson when he was so dominant back in 2020. Um, and, and or Harvick the year before in 2019, or maybe I have those years backwards, but regardless, um, I, I think the need, especially now with the new car, you've seen how close racing is. I, I think the need for stage breaks is gone. I agree with you, Nick. I think it should be gone completely, but I mean, hopefully, we'll get there one day. Uh, Slade, yeah, your sure. thoughts on those two? Uh, so just in terms of the detached wheel part, I think it's a great um deal, sure, that sir, sir. The two we just talked about, Hail Melon and Stage Breaks. Okay, so Hail Get Melon. it together. I, sorry, Hail Melon. I, I think that uh, Chase and his team, or yeah, yeah, Chastain and his team got what they wanted out of the situation. It worked for them. It They got to what they needed to do, and it, and it happened. They also got the move named after him. Um, but what rightfully needed to happen happened, and it, there's a rule against it now. I mean, um, Crap, what's Justin Marks? He's the uh, team owner or one of them. He came out today and said that they are going to put that car into like their their kind of like uh, garage area. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What's that? I said You're like their museum. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thing. yeah. So, and like their front Collection office area, area and yeah. stuff like that, whatever. But um, yeah, they're, they're planning to do that, which I think is uh, that was the best situation that could have come out of that for this for mm-hmm. them. They made it to the championship four with that move. They get the the uh, naming rights to it. And then also they're going to have the car and it's the only one that ever successfully did it correctly. Um, it's the same thing that Roush would have done had Carl Edwards move worked against Jimmy Johnson years back, you know, talk um, about it, man. Come on. anyway, <laughs> uh, the stage breaks, I'm completely aside, uh, opposite side from you guys. I think that the stage points and everything make a big difference. I think it's a big part of why NASCAR has gained so much attention recently in the last couple of years like me and George have talked about previously, uh, there was definitely, especially, I think you had the years correctly, because I think Kevin Harvick dominated the year Larson had to sit out. Um, yeah, I, I, I think so that, that was 2020 year, and then 2021. 2021. Yeah. I, I, I said it backwards. I said okay. 2020, um, 2019. So anyway, I think that those two years, Larson's year and then um, Harvick's year, I think we would have seen them leading 80% of the race. And, th- and that's what we would have seen for a third of the season. Cause they each won, I think nine and 10 races respectively. Um, that's just 
I, I wouldn't have liked to watch that all season. I mean, you would have watched that have been like watching the 49ers Eagles game this past weekend. You'd have watched the first 25 laps until Larson got out front. And then the rest of the race, he'd have been three quarters of a lap ahead of everyone. Um, I think now that their engines are all from the same place, basically everything is, is they're getting sent out there with the same stock cars, basically. Um, I think it's a little different, but I do think that the stages bring that extra factor to it. It brings kind of a way for people for the whole race to mean something. Um, I think the stages for the road courses is the best part that they took away the actual caution part, because I think you're going to see a big clash between people like Martin Truex Jr. and Chase Elliott now because Martin Truex Jr. was phenomenal when there was no stage breaks. And he was still pretty good at the beginning when they added the stage breaks. But Chase Elliott then kind of took over when when the stage breaks started happening when it came to the road courses. And then then we saw Larson kind of adopt that same uh, ability to really perform when it came to the road courses this past two seasons. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to see people. I think we're going to see someone like, I don't know, Boris said, and people like that that were really good at, as long as they had a good pitch strategy for the race, they they really had a chance come the end of the race. And they could it could be someone like Boris said that could come in for one race and yeah. and compete. Um, yeah, I, so, I am, so that's what I'm excited for. Yeah, I, I'm definitely excited for the, the caution part of it to be gone at the road courses, like you said. I think it's going to add an extra element now. It's going to make... I mean, the road courses used to be so awesome because it was it was all fuel mileage. It was who can mm-hmm. save their tires and who can save the most fuel. It's going to bring um, strategy back in. Yeah, well, and that's that's what I'm most excited in. for. Yeah, I mean, we, we still had strategy, but it's definitely an extra element. Hey, let's put on lap six and, and, you know, we can set our pitch strategy up the right way now. Whereas, hey, if we pit on lap six and cautions come up, okay, we're all going to pit again and then we're, we're back, you know, we're fine. Um, and so I am definitely excited to see – that element be incorporated back into a lot of these races. I think it's going to make a lot of fun. Um, moving on, uh, Nick, talk about your thoughts on the detached wheel. Um, and I mean, we just grouped the last three in together, the, the wet tires and the top 30 points. Yeah. So um, the top 30 points, I, I think was, I, I could understand where they, they went or where they wanted to be with that. Um, but at the same time, if you like the way they have it set up now, if you win a race, so you win a race and then, race like shit the rest of the season and you're not in that top 30 you wouldn't have you know been qualified to make it yeah. or whatever uh, so I, I think that that's fair if you're going to have it that you win a race and you're basically in like that's it seems like it makes the most sense to me um the detached wheel I, i'm not going to lie to you i'm very i understand that you know your team needs to make sure that your wheels are on properly because wheels coming off is a huge danger um i i don't agree with some of the punishments that they give out you know Again, I understand the danger, but I don't think that there's anybody out here, whether it's driver, crew chief, um, or the guy who puts the tires on that doesn't understand the risk of losing a tire in the middle of a race um, or, you know, in any aspect, whether it's on pit lane, whatever. Um, so I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little weird about that. I, I don't really have too much to say about that. But as far as the rain packages go now, I understand that it's going to be damp conditions. You know, they're not going to be out there and pouring rain with the rain tires on, which I, I wouldn't want to see that anyway. Um but I'm a little excited about that because there were races that I think, you know, this is going to be able to keep going longer and might be able to avoid delays or, or you know, postponements or anything if it's just, you know, a little bit of rain that kind of damps things. Yeah. Um, for me, as far as the wet tires go, I think it, it does add an exciting element. It it's, can be fun. And like you said, it's, it's going to be nice for fans that go to races who, who want to see action and then have to sit there and 
either come back to the race on Monday or if they have to go to work, you know, they can't stay there. It's definitely going to be fun. I just think it's going to turn into a shit show. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we'll have to wait and see, but I've watched these guys drive on, you know, wet conditions. And obviously then it was like pouring rain. Uh, I think it was Road America that we saw it the first time where it was absolutely horrible. Uh, but damp conditions, hopefully that makes a little bit of a difference. It's going to be nice, you know, Somebody's going to bump somebody going into turn four, and they're going to spin <laughs> out completely rather than just wiggle up the track a little bit. Yeah. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, the detached wheel, like I said earlier, I, I'm in huge favor of tweaking it. I think the punishment last year was way too harsh, especially, again, I mean, if I pull out of my pit stall, I get two stalls down and my tire falls off. Uh, you're, you're telling me i got to go home and sit for four weeks. I, I thought that was egregious. Yeah. So the two-race suspension for it coming off on the track uh, is definitely a, a, a nice – change uh and i like it um and last but not least the top 30 in points if you're gonna have a win in your end format it truly needs to be win in your end uh yeah. if we we think back to atlanta last year the second race if uh cory lajoy was somehow able to pull off that move on chase elliott and win that race he wouldn't have been in the playoffs because he was outside the top 30 in points um and if you're gonna you want an underdog story going into the playoffs you need to let somebody just because they're struggling all year and you go to a track like Daytona or Talladega or now Atlanta, or, you know, we're talking about road courses. Even we've seen a lot of surprise winners there. Um, they, they won their race. They've earned that shot. And to kind of stop keeping that now, now how likely is it? It's pretty unlikely, but like I said, we, we, who knows what's going to happen. A lot of those tracks I just listed, um, but I, I, I like it. Uh, Slate, your thoughts. Uh, yeah. So, just for the detached wheel part, um, I, I'm a fan of it. I think it was too strict last year, like you had said. Um, I think that it, it also was kind of a joke. I mean, the, everything works off of, like, the computers. They can be on the – I mean, the crew chief could literally be sitting back at the office on the phone still controlling everything. They're not yeah. They're not really, like, mo- like uh, policing this anything. They just said that the person can't be sitting on top of the pit box, basically. Um, the, the wet tires, I'm not a fan of it all. Honestly, I think that the, the drivers last year had voiced their concerns. I forget which, uh, road course it was at that they actually raced these. And you had people like Denny Hamlin, people that have been on the track for 10, 15 years, like screaming at their crew chiefs. When can I come in and get these tires off? Like I, I can't drive with these <laughs> things. Um, they were also driving through like puddles of water. Um, if that was okay for them to do last year, I can't imagine what they're going to push them through this year with the wet tires. I just think if the drivers aren't a fan of it and they're not going to race at their best, then there's no point in the cars being on track. Um, The top 30 points, I have kind of a love-hate relationship with that because uh, I think that I would have been really disappointed to see someone like Corey LaJoy in over Ryan Blaney last year had he been able to pull that up. Now Ryan Blaney should have been able – him and his team should have been able to get a win or enough points to – well, the points would have mattered at that point, but – uh, he should have been able to get a win with how good their team was, but I also don't think that if, if you're trying to get the best 16 drivers, I don't think that Corey LaJoy deserved to be in there, even if he does went do the a long shot win there. Um, over I mean, Ryan Blaney. It, you, you want to know the solution to that? Get rid of the fucking playoffs. I mean, it's stupid to be in with. But so. the playoffs <laughs> has – yeah, but the playoffs yeah. has brought the, the, the eyes and the wow factor because now it's not over 20 races into the season, you know? Um yeah. And then, uh, yeah, so I just think that that's – I think that that is the one that I'm kind of on the fence about because, well, I would like to see someone that is is a lesser team. I mean, Keselowski might have had a chance last season. Uh, 
he kind of did good at the opening race and then a lot of uh penalties within points and stuff like that. i think he got the most severe penalty last year right because they were messing so, yeah. with the inner chamber of the wheel yeah. and stuff like that um but yeah just it's it's one that i'm not quite sure on yet but the wet tires I, i'm not a fan of because i don't think if the drivers want to drive on it then there's no point in having them and then the detached wheel they had to change that yeah i, I will yeah back to the wet tires real quick before we move on um i believe as if it's the same thing so last year they tested it with kyle larson i think harrison burton was there and a few other drivers they went to martinsville they just took a water truck that you would see like a dirt race they went out they ran a couple laps with that they just got the track wet and then they took they took these drivers out they sent them out and they ran a couple laps so I don't think we're going to see a situation, and I like how they threw the word damp in there. I don't think we're going to see a situation like we saw at Road America before, where, again, it's pouring rain. There's huge puddles all over the track. I don't I don't think it's going to be that kind of, you know, rain tire, per se, whereas compared to if we go to Martinsville one weekend, say it rains all morning, rather than going out and run the jet dryers for three hours trying to get the, the track ready, hey, if it's not raining anymore, there's no standing water, let's go out and see if we can compete for a couple laps. If it's you know utter chaos and, and nobody can drive, um, I'm sure there's probably going to be more testing upcoming if, if they haven't already done so. Um, so I think that's the only difference between say like you said like that road or um, uh, Coda race um, versus like if, what were what they were to do this year if that situation does mm. arise. Um, last but not least, let's go ahead. Let's move on to our top five this week. Uh, speaking of racing, top five songs you would want blaring while you were driving a race car. Um, I'll give my top five first. This is my topic, so I'll go ahead and go. Uh, number five, I have Rollin' by Limp Bizkit. Uh, I mean, I can just sawing on that wheel screaming this song. Uh, I, I could I could pass ten cars. Uh, number four, I have Eastbound and Down by Jerry Reed. Um, you, put me at Talladega and throw this song on, and you are not catching me. I can tell you right now. <laughs> Uh, number three, I got the song Running Wild by Airborne. Uh, again, just a badass song. Uh, if I'm out there two laps down, I need to make up some laps. I'll throw this one on, and I'm I'm in first place next thing you know. Number two, I got Move Bitch by Ludacris. Uh, I think it's self-explanatory. Bristol, uh, you know, Richmond, Martinsville, those kind of tracks. L.A. Coliseum, where they're heading this week. I'm, you throw that on, I, everybody's getting the bump and run, and I don't care. <laughs> number one, a little bit surprising probably to you guys, but I'm going to go Turbo Lover by Judas Priest. I just like to build up to the first course and then it kicks in. Uh, I mean, it just get, it gets my heart going when I'm driving my work van. So I, that's my number one song. Who wants to go next? I'm disappointed in you. I'll go next. <laughs> just I'm, I'm disappointed in you. I, I'm not hugely disappointed in you just because I know you're not into this genre of music as much as I am. But anyway, <clears throat> so number five, I have uh, Dear Maria, Count Me In by All Time Low. Not necessarily a song that makes me want to drive fast, but it's my ultimate favorite uh like road trip driving song to sing so i feel like if i want to be in a car for three hours the song would definitely have to come on you know keep me relaxed keep me uh ready to go so number four pour some sugar on me by def leopard i put it at four because i enjoy it but again it's not necessarily a song that makes me want to drive fast but it, you know kind of kind of gets you going here as these go on down to number one they kind of keep keep getting a little more fierce um number three i have crazy train by ozzy uh, this is definitely a song that makes me want to drive fast. Another one, honorable mention that I, I, I did not put in here, but um, oh my god, I'm uh, totally blanking on the name now. You know, what, forget it because as soon as I went to say it, I lost it. But anyway, uh, number two, I have Danza Kuduro by Don Omar, the song from the end of I believe it's Fast Five, 
where it shows them all like driving down the highway and stuff. Every time that song comes on, I just imagine I'm driving some like $500,000 supercar, 120 miles per hour down the highway. So I'm in the middle of a race. That's exactly what I'd be doing. Um, and then number one, this is the song that I was disappointed about. But again, you're not in, I know you're not into classic rock as to as high of a level as I am, but I have Kickstart My Heart by Motley Crue. If there is any song that you play and it screams racing, it would be this song. I just think it drugs when I hear that song. So that's why. I... Wow. I, I, I mean, just just because like I know so much of the meaning behind it. First of all, how yeah. dare you say I'm not in the classic rock like you are? I didn't. Just I didn't. I just said the same father. Really, but second of all, like, like you. No, I would. I didn't say. I didn't say you. Okay, that's. But I just because I know the meaning of the song so much more behind it. And yeah. Like, uh, like as soon as I hear it, like I, I do drive fast to it, but I'm just like, oh, yeah. No. He died. He, had to, like, he literally yeah. had to have his yeah. so I, was, <laughs> I would definitely say that's my honorable mention alongside Panama by Van Halen. Those are my mm-hmm. two honorable mentions. Slade, give us your top five. So I had one that was like yours, George, which was Rollin' by Limp Bizkit. Um, yeah. the, the other ones were um, Born to be Wild, uh, okay. Rockstar by Nickelback. Oh, oh that's that. That's, that's on the same level of like Dear Maria. That's a good song to sing in the car. Like, yeah. I'm here for it, yeah. I like the new song "I Ain't Worried" by One Republic. That was in that Top Gun Maverick movie. Okay. Um, and then my last one is Black Betty. I like that song. Uh, yeah, so that, I did forget about that one because that's in Dukes of Hazard when they're doing the mm-hmm. race. And that, oh, like, yeah. as soon as a racer is, do do do. That's, that, that, that's a good one there. Yeah. All right. Well, that will that's do it for our show this week. Yeah, that was, that was, I think all three of us across the board had good top fives. Um, but that will do it for our show this week. Thank you guys for checking this out so much. Don't forget, go to W.GG and check out uh, W Energy. W, be better, or don't be a dummy. Get W, uh, either one. I mean, I'm going to say it until they send us a cease and desist letter. Um, <laughs> but nonetheless, use code JACKWAGON for 10% off. Uh, you'll see the ad popping up throughout the episode. And also, our merch store is getting ready to launch. Uh, they just take forever to send us stuff. I did get a hat, though. This is our golf hat. We have a hockey one that's the same exact style. It's pretty cool. Uh, but once more of it gets in, we're going to have a whole commercial ready for you guys. Anna's in charge of planning that. She's working on that. But uh, So exciting things are in the work. Another thing I do want to bring up on here while we have you, um, we've been doing betting TikTok here lately. We've been making a lot of TikToks. Uh, they just don't like Nick. So if you could show him some support. I mean, we've been doing what's called the daily double, uh, where we're trying to double your money every day. Not necessarily a ladder bet. We want you guys to commit to that uh, and have to you know reinvest your money every day. Just, hey. I want to throw 10 bucks on this game or if I have a hundred bucks sitting on it and I want to double it. We're giving you guys that chance. Uh, you don't have to commit to it every day, but we are three and oh right now. Things are looking good so far on day four as we're recording, but uh, nonetheless, it's a lot of fun. And if you use prize picks, uh, I've been doing bets on that as well every day. So make sure you guys head over to our TikTok link in the bio, click on that uh, and go check us out over there. We would really appreciate your support. Don't forget to like and subscribe this video. I think I rambled on enough in this outro. Have a great rest of your day, uh, and we will see you in the next episode. See you guys.